Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Picture in your mind the pituitary gland. It's tiny. The gland, just the size of a pea, sits at the base of your brain, and they can develop tumors. Previously, they were removed with a procedure called a craniotomy, or surgery through the skull. Today, we are fortunate here at MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center to have neurosurgeon Dr. Jugal Shah with us. Remember, just now we were talking about surgery that goes through the skull, the craniotomy. Well, Dr. Shah gains access to this difficult-to-reach area through the nose. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk, and Dr. Shah, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So, pituitary, as we established here, is small. It stands to reason that the tumors you find must also be small. That's right. And some of them are so small that an MRI doesn't even pick them up. And just to recap, the pituitary is a small gland that's located in the base of the skull that releases a lot of the hormones that allow us to live our daily lives. Uh, can regulate our feeling for how hot or cold things are. It can regulate our stress levels. Uh, and certain people can regulate their menstrual cycles. So it's a pretty fundamental organ. And it's incredible for how small it is. So if you were saying an MRI might not even spot the tumor. So walk me through the steps of then, all right, how do we, how do we find it? Exactly. A lot of times patients will go either to their primary care or be referred to an endocrinologist. And they'll say, well, my skin looks stretched or I'm gaining weight and I'm really not meaning to or I feel hot or cold or stressed all the time and I'm not sure what's going on. So oftentimes the diagnosis is made through some blood work, actually. They'll go to a lab, get some serum uh, levels done and say, oh, wow, like your cortisol level, for example, is through the roof. And they may go for further tests and eventually they'll see that. Um, the cortisol is just being abnormally made by a group of cells in the pituitary gland. And that's an indicator that something's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Are there any other things that people should be sort of aware of that might be pointing to pituitary problems? Yeah, a lot of the symptoms are some people start developing like a buffalo hump in the neck or their face, the shape of their face changes, or in some pituitary tumors that are releasing growth hormone, their glove size will change. Wow. It's, it's such, as I was saying, it's for such a small tumor, it can cause such a wide effect. The facial changes, is that, that fascinates me. I mean, what way? The- so it's a term we call moon faces, or the face will actually look more round, and it'll, the cheeks will look fuller, and um, that's from abnormal cortisol levels, which can, which, which can drive up your blood sugar and can change the deposition of fat around your body. Over what time period would that occur? Some patients, it happens over a course of months, if not years. So, so it could be somewhat gradual. I mean, someone could just think, oh, I'm aging. I'm maybe picking up some pounds and stuff. But that is that moon face, is that something that would bring someone to a doctor? Or is it that maybe in, in association with one or two other things? It can. Sometimes the, the changes are rather gradual. And loved ones or friends who haven't seen, hey, you look very different. And then it'll cause them to whip out their phone and compare their picture recently to long ago and say, oh, something feels off. Usually, though, when that change is happening, there are other changes going on as well. There'll be new stretch marks on the skin. There'll be um, thinning or easy bruising. Um, So there are other symptoms that will oftentimes happen when the face changes occur. So who is most likely to be diagnosed with uh, pituitary tumors, and are they always cancerous? So most of the time, they're not cancerous, and they can really happen in many different age ranges. 
Um, oftentimes we'll see young women in their 20s or 30s that have these, um, for example, the symptoms that I was mentioning earlier. But because the pituitary gland hosts so many different types of cells, we really do see tumors of all, of all age groups. All right. And the risks of a pituitary tumor, I know that sounds, uh, well, it's an obvious question, but <laughs> the risks are what? So one of the other interesting things about the pituitary gland is that it lies right next to uh, the optic chiasm, which is the bundle of nerves that travels from your brain to your occipital cortex. And as a pituitary tumor grows, it can start pressing on the chiasm. So one of the other or even more common symptoms that we see is patients will start losing their peripheral vision. Wow, I bet that will get your attention. Or And does that happen over a, a, a extended period of time or relatively quickly? That can happen over an extended period of time. And those patients who have those symptoms, oftentimes their ophthalmologist or optometrist will detect it. And or patients will say, you know what, I'm just not seeing out the sides of my eyes as well as I used to. And what happens oftentimes pituitary tumors are slow growing. So it'll slowly grow, slowly start pressing on the nerves. And if it goes untreated, unfortunately, some patients can lose their vision completely. Wow. I'm, I'm uh, fortunate enough to have to wear glasses. I'm going to look at it that way. And I'm used to doing those where they hold, you know, they hold the fingers out. When can you see it? So a, a certain percentage of your uh, patients then with pituitary problems are referred to by um, optometrists or ophthalmologists, I would imagine then. Exactly. Wow. That, that Fascinating. So let's say someone has it. It, it, it does start growing. What, what happens then? Yeah, that's a great question. So the pituitary makes so many different hormones and depending on which hormone is growing or being secreted abnormally, some, some of the hormones can just be treated with an oral uh, or rather an oral medication and, and an MRI can show that the tumor is getting smaller. And for those fortunate patients, surgery is not necessary. But for other patients, especially the ones whose vision is being threatened, surgery may be necessary. Let's assume the tumor has to come out. And now I'm going to um, hope I get this word right. Trans, <laughs> transphenoidal. Did I do okay? You did great. Oh, transphenoidal. What is the transphenoidal approach? So the transphenoidal approach means going through the sphenoid bone, which is a bone way in the back of the nose that is actually right in front of the pituitary gland. Over the last 10 or 20 years, with especially technology and cameras improving, um, ENT surgeons and neurosurgeons will work together um, to do the surgery through a nose. And transphenoidal means we go through the nose using a camera, make an opening in that bone that's over the pituitary gland, and remove the tumor that way without needing the large incision, the large skull opening with a faster recovery when it's done transphenoidally. Yeah, uh, but it but it is it it is faster, easier, less less invasive on the patient. Um, Correct. And, and so, what when you do it that way, what can they look forward to in terms of their recovery? Depending on how they're doing, sometimes they can go in the hospital as soon as two days after surgery. They don't have to deal with a large incision. They don't have to deal with the wound care that comes with the type of incision. But going through the nose, they will have a stuffy nose, and they'll have some uh, dressing in the nose, but. Oftentimes, the overall recovery that happens with when your brain is opened doesn't need to happen with a transphenoidal approach. So you're ta- they could be back at work in a matter of weeks or weeks. still not months. It's we- Whereas if you have, if you're doing open, you know, where you have to go through the skull, it could be months before you're, you're kind of set right. Exactly. And oftentimes going through the transphenoidal corridor just allows us to access the tumor better. Some of the tumors just grow lower down 
and are just much easier approached. And it allows us to get a better and safer resection. So the caring for pituitary tumors, highly specialized part of medicine, correct? That's right. Yeah. Just because the, the type of training you have to do is so much different than other things. And, and it, it does need a specialist like you to be able to have a successful outcome with this. That's right. And that's also why we perform these surgeries with our ENT colleagues who are really experts in the nose, because we really want the most expertise available from all of the corridors through which the surgery is occurring. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of a, when the big ocean liners come into port, they always have a harbor pilot who does some of the navigation up close right to the dock. It's kind of, you you know, yeah, there are two captains aboard the ship, so to speak, but you you have to rely on each other to, to take care of your areas of expertise. I think that's a perfect analogy. When you uh, when you do the removals of the these tumors, um, is there an impact in the to the pituitary gland? There can be. And some of these tumors can be very stuck to the pituitary gland. Others come out more easily. But the pituitary gland is a funny one in the sense that it really doesn't like to be touched. <laughs> and sometimes, and most of the times, these are short-term. But the pituitary gland can start releasing hormones in a way that it, it's not used to. And sometimes it releases hormones too quickly or not enough. Most commonly, these last about one to two weeks after surgery, and they recover rapidly thereafter. But that's part of the preparation is say, hey, this thing may go a little, be a little haywire for a while, but we know that it will settle down. Exactly. Most of the time, sometimes the tumors are so stuck and the side effects or the effects of the tumor are so great that uh, in certain instances, the pituitary gland is removed and patients need to take um, pills or hormone replacements to replace the functions of them. But those cases tend to be exceedingly rare. And in those ones you would know about prior to surgery that I would imagine, or is that a case where once you're in there, you like, Ooh, this one is different. We use all of the imaging and uh, technology available to get as much an, an idea of what a tumor is going to look like. But sometimes there's no real way of knowing until you're actually in there and feeling it with your instruments and seeing how stuck is it to the normal tissue. If a patient's had a pituitary tumor removed, what can they expect in terms of uh, you know recovery and later in life and normal functionality? It really depends on which of the many hormones that the tumor was making before, if any, uh, was originally responsible. For an average patient, for the most common ones that I see, Hospital stay is usually around two days, and I usually advise to stay out of work for a minimum of two weeks, depending on how they're doing. And sometimes they need hormones to replace their function, and they take them and they live their life. Um, Other times, after that one to two week period where their pituitary gland is feeling funny, they don't need any supplementary medications, and they're going back and living a relatively normal life. So looking downrange a year or two years, five years later, the they relatively normal things go well. And do these, if you've had one, will you likelihood of having another or not? Things can be normal about one to two years out. And really depending on one of the benefits of surgery is we actually get a piece of the tumor. We send it off to the laboratory and do all sorts of specialized tests. And because there's so many differences, knowing what the individual type is allows us to get a better prediction of what things are in the future. As I mentioned earlier, Most of them are benign and not cancer. And what I mean by that is that the likelihood of it spreading to a different part of the brain or body is incredibly low. But even the benign ones can grow back and cause symptoms in the future. And depending on what the diagnosis was, 
if it does come back and can sometimes be treated with radiation and not require surgery, or in rare instances, another surgery months or years down the road is necessary to really prevent symptoms from happening. So going in through the nose is more minimally invasive, I guess, than uh, the way it used to be done. But is this something also lends itself to robotic surgery? Is that not happening yet? Not yet. You know, as excited as I am about robotic surgery and some of the future um, breakthroughs that technology is going to bring, it's not quite there yet in terms of performing these pituitary surgeries through a robot. But given the rate that technology is improving, it's not unreasonable to see it within my career or within our lifetimes. So when people get this diagnosis, I mean, like a lot of different things that will affect their lives, you know, uh, I don't want to say people want to panic first, but they, they definitely are concerned about their own mortality. What, what do you tell people when someone presents themselves to you with a pituitary tumor about the, the chances for success? Again, it really depends on the way the tumor is growing and either pressing on their pituitary nerve or a pituitary gland, or whether it's growing near some of the important blood vessels that lie to the left and right of the pituitary gland. But for the most common patient that I see, which is a relatively small tumor that was picked up through some serum workup, the chances of returning to a normal life were pretty high. That's, that's fantastic news. Rewarding surgery, I would imagine. Very much so. Good. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Jugal Shah at MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center. Dr. Shah, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Thanks for having me. Learn more about Dr. Shah at medstarhealth.org backslash Shah, or for an appointment, call 443-777-7999.